0: start the party dan oh no you got upset online looks like you're having a real
1: bad time should have just ignored what i said but now i've got proof that you read it and for me that's all i need what i live for is the
2: air that i breathe because i'm rude me and i'm not sorry welcome everybody to the
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your favorite podcast about social media and rejection. It is Block Party. This is episode number 118, I think. Is it 118? I didn't Yeah, we usually, we usually check before, but that's usually fine. Usually I check before, and I was just going by feel, but uh, it felt feel, like... It
1: feels like 118. It yeah. feels
0: like 118, a great age to be. Uh, I'm John. I'm Stefan. And uh, we have, uh, this is our last episode of Sweeps Month, Stefan. We've been rocking uh, some huge guests all month. We had Karen Kilgariff last week, Brent Butt the week before that. Uh, and today's guest, no exception, we're thrilled to have him on the show. He is a former wrestler in the ECW, WCW, and the WWE. And uh, he now runs Storm Wrestling Academy out
2: of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Lance Storm is here. Hi, Lance. Hi, Lance. How you doing? I sort of run the academy. I actually closed it. Um, <laughs> oh, did you? The, the end of 2019. And I went back to uh, WWE as a producer until the pandemic hit. And now I'm running some virtual coaching under the SWA banner. But the Storm Wrestling Academy school is technically physically closed.
0: Okay, well, so if Ooh. you want to learn to wrestle, don't speak to Lance. He's not interested anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's not excited about it. Virtually, yes, he will give yes. you some training. I'm, I'm
2: coaching existing wrestlers. I'm not... uh yes teaching new people. So
0: I like that like I saw I I was, you know, looking up uh your website before uh, we got on the show and I saw that you do kind of like one-on-one like virtual coaching and stuff with with wrestlers. What does that look like? Like how do you coach someone virtually, especially now when there's not a whole lot of wrestling happening?
2: Well, the thing is it's it's once you know how to do the fundamentals and basics, it's more about the psychology and the how and the why and doing it properly. So how I do it is they send me a link to one of their matches and then I watch it ahead of time and make my notes and critiques on how I think it could have been better and why. And then I send them my notes and then we book the the Zoom virtual session where we watch the match back together while I explain my take on the match and then answer questions and so forth. Um, so that is sort of the coaching to it because I think those who are fans may not realize the degree of storytelling and psychology behind what we do, and most, even the wrestlers, like to, to get this project off the ground, I shared the feedback I had given someone else before I was actually doing it virtually, just that I do for friends or people that i asked. And many people in the business were shocked and surprised at the, the detail and explanation behind all that went into it. So um, it's taking off and doing well and keeping me at least somewhat busy busy while i stay home for the last year that sounds unreal Ah, you ever just like have you ever just like devastated someone like
0: like you could tell that the way you were critiquing their match they were just like fuck me i am
2: i'm so bad i'm screwed no i've been doing this a long time now that i've learned a degree of diplomacy (laughs) but there haven't been and to be honest i haven't got that many that were that rotten right so yeah so you and you can usually find something because that's i don't care how good or or how bad you are at pro wrestling there's stuff you do wrong and there's stuff you do right even if it's only one thing you do right and a million (laughs) things you do wrong or vice versa so you know if it's really harsh you try to just coach some real basic easy learning points it's like there's no point in pointing out the 700 things they do wrong so Pick the two most obvious that can help them the most and just focus on that so you don't just completely destroy or crush their spirits in day one. You know, the first line they read in the feedback shouldn't be, get a new job. (laughs) (laughs) That's the feedback I
0: would give, I feel like. I feel like I would get, I mean, I guess I'm a teacher, so I do also know how to give like constructive feedback, but I also feel like wrestling kind of similar to comedy. I'm a stand-up comedian as well. I, I have to feel like, there are still quite a few like delusional people out there where, you know, you can sort of see the writing on the wall and it's gotta be hard to not just sometimes show them where that
2: wall was <laughs> located. Yeah, fortunately, no one that's that Far gone or hopeless has um, either made enough money in the wrestling business to afford my services. Right. Or perhaps they're so delusional they think they don't need them. I don't know which is the case. (laughs) That's actually a good point. But I have had, like back when I was running the school, where you have people that have never done the job show up and want to, you do get some people that the advice is this job isn't for you and you have to find a somewhat less soul crushing way of saying that, but I have had a few people that I have had to sit down and suggest that, you know, your long term goals might be uh, best suited if you picked a new destination.
1: (laughs) It's sort Um, of similar to, uh, uh, I mean, obviously like since the pandemic, like Twitch streaming and and playing video games online is, is like skyrocketed in popularity. And there's a huge, uh, market for like video game coaches. And it's sort of a similar thing where, where you'll send in a video of yourself, like playing like a first person shooter and they'll critique you. And I've seen like videos of like pros critiquing people and they're never usually that nice. So I feel (laughs) like they could, they could learn from you because it seems like you have that
2: Constructive criticism really down, you know. Yeah, but but also too, and and this is the weird thing in that I also have a rep for not sugarcoating or at least being brutally honest. It's it's like I'm not going to lie to anyone. Yeah, but again, if you can at least find one or two things that they do well enough to not destroy them, it's like I don't f- enjoy hurting people's feelings, but I also don't want to encourage someone to chase a completely unrealistic dream and and that's something that i had um, discussion argument whatever you will when i had the physical school that there was one student after partway through the training decided to pack it in and after he had left there was a couple of people it's like oh he's a quitter and his over and it's like i don't consider it quitting if you've given it a good effort and decided you're not, you don't have an aptitude for this job. And I always use the example. It's like, if you just decided you were going to knock down this cement wall with your head and say two of you did. And after 10 minutes, you both have headaches. Your heads are bleeding. And the one guy goes, you know, this is a really stupid idea. I'm going to go do something else. I'm not going to praise the guy that sticks to it and bury the guy that (laughs) quits. I'm going to go. This person reevaluated the situation and made an intelligent decision. So quitting always isn't quitting if you just pick a new destination.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I I feel like John and I would actually both be quite good at knocking down cement walls with our heads because we both have. Just massive heads. So I think we could we could give it a good go, I think. I got a
0: giant head and I'm ready to bang. I'm ready to (laughs)
1: bang it on something.
0: I all I honestly all I could think about when you were describing the the fact that you watch the match with them and pick it over is Stefan and I wrestling each other and then getting (laughs) you to critique it. That was the all I could think of the whole time. I'm like that would be the most, probably the stupidest bonus episode we could ever do.
1: I think, Stefan, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I used to like a backyard
0: a- wrestle. So does that count
2: for anything? I mean, I 18. was like 15, so maybe I have something going there. <laughs> that's, that's generally not a good thing. And that, that's another, I, I had, a, you know, email applications all the time for the old school. And You know, you get one from one guy and he starts listing his backyard championships in his resume. (laughs) It's like I remember responding to him. It's like, well, that's all well and good, but just a piece of advice. Never, ever mention this to anyone else ever again. It's like, you know, having the heavyweight title of your local neighborhood backyard wrestling school is not going to impress someone.
1: Yeah, it's like if John or I had our high school
2: diploma on our resume still like it's it's far enough in the past and it's Mm -hmm. not, you
1: know, yeah, you you assume.
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah, or or again, you had a junior high school talent show that you won Best Comedian at. It's like, you yeah. know, that's if that's the lead in your resume, <laughs> yeah. I'm not booking you in this big, you know, comedy festival yeah. in Montreal.
0: <laughs> I mean, I did win my junior talent show and I did play just for laughs. So who no, I'm just kidding. I never did the talent show or anything. It's just yeah, it is there are definitely people. One thing you see in comedy a lot, which I would guess backyard wrestling is sort of the equivalent of, is you get a lot of people who are just like, well, I make my friends laugh all the time. You know, like I'm the funny, like you can tell, you can always tell. I, I was
2: the class clown in high school. Totally.
0: Yeah. Yes. Like you can always tell when you get people who are doing stand up because their friends are like, man, you should try stand up. You're hilarious. And it's like, I feel like they're not even fans of it. They don't know that you have to like structure jokes. It's probably the same thing as backyard wrestling, right? Like if you're having a backyard match and 10 of your friends are watching, you're not considering the psychology and the structure of the match and whatever you're hitting each other with chairs probably and just screwing around. And it's sort of the same thing. It's like, yeah, it's easy when you're in a group of friends to impress your friends by making them laugh because not everybody can do that. But then, yeah, it's a whole different thing when you're on stage. And it goes both ways. I know some stand-up comedians who are not funny at all off stage; Like, they're just, they're very quiet. They're super mellow. But they're, once, as soon as they get in front of the microphone, they're hilarious. So, yeah, it, it is, there's definitely a weird equivalency sometimes with entertainment businesses in particular where people feel like, their small pocket of experience is worth anything in real life.
2: Do you find it as insulting as I do when the guy who, you know, did a suplex on his couch once thinks he has the ability that I have to do the job that I do? Yes. Yes.
0: I mean, that's every, I mean, for sure. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of delusion, right? Like, I mean, it's like you said, the, the people who are probably really bad and really need your help are diluted to the point where they don't think they need your help and yeah you definitely get some of that stuff where even as a comedian like you might try to give someone a tag like you might see a newer comedian do a joke and you think it's a funny joke and you want to try and help them out and give them a tag and they act like they're too good for your help or whatever (laughs) similar to you you might say oh you know you in this spot of the match maybe you could have done this differently or whatever and they're like well i mean we got a standing ovation from the fifty people in the Spingo Hall, Lance. So, I mean, I don't know. I think we my did mom pretty good. popped. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my mom loves my stand-up comedy, so <laughs> I guess I have that going for me.
2: Yeah, but and it's it's I lost my train of thought for a second. It's it's just interesting because again, that was the thing that I found most insulting, and that's a little harsh. But it's like when you do get the people that show up that assume because it's fake, it's easy. And it's like, they won't be in shape. They won't be athletic. They won't have. And it's like, you thought you'd be able to do what I've been doing for the last 20 years. And this was the prep you put in. And it would be like the class clown that didn't even bother to write out or plan any jokes. He's just going to, Hey, I'm just going to show up and be funny. And it's like, I would imagine that's not that easy to do now. One in a million might be able to pull it off, but yeah. it's it's frustrating in that end and i think too and i i, I again maybe there's an equivalency in in com- uh, comedy but the actual storytelling detail of pro wrestling when it's done at a high level i ran a book club once on my website i'm a wrestler but i'm an avid reader and through that i was club, in it i, got, I was in I got, the got, landstorm oh, book club Etta boy yeah bookmark <laughs> <laughs> but through that i ended up It was one of the weirdest things I ever ended up doing. I spoke at the world horror and fantasy writers convention in DC. And I spoke on a panel with two other authors that I knew that ended up getting me in it. And it was so amazing because we're in this panel. And the one author, again, who actually writes like my favorite series, F. Paul Wilson, uh, his secret history of the world, Repairman Jack series, greatest piece of literature you're ever going to find. And I had met him and talked to him once, but that was about it. And then the other guy who I knew better that got me booked. And I'm sitting on this panel and they inter- do the introductions. I can just see every face in the crowd with the, what the hell is a wrestler doing up there? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I explained to him, it's like, well, we both do the same job. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, well, we tell stories. I said, it's just, I do it physically acting it out in the ring. And they put words on a page. And I saw uh, Paul Wilson sort of looking at me with a, huh? And I start explaining. It's like, well, we have an antagonist and we have a protagonist. And it's like, you know, you generally structure it with your three act play. of you establish your hero, you throw him into peril. He overcomes and you can just see everyone in the room's face just like dropping. And even the guy he's like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that there was actually details to pro wrestling. I thought it was just guys in their underwear punching each other. And it's like, well, it can be, but it's low <laughs> That's end. When Stefan and I wrestle. It's just yeah, two guys exactly. in their
0: underwear punching each other. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's like, <laughs> it's still storytelling at its base. And whether you're writing a movie, writing a book, you know, doing pro wrestling match, it's still, you have to engage them somewhat in a journey or there's no end game. And then all everyone in the crowd, it's like, well, how do you establish who's a you know your hero? And it's like, okay, well, one guy and they're like, oh my God, there's actually thought process into what you do. And I'm like, yeah, it's a complicated job. (laughs) (laughs) Stefan, what's the thing that you get
0: insulted about when people try to act like they're on
1: your level? I don't know if I have that. I guess like with with like Twitch streaming, it's there's a lot of people who just assume it's like it's like very, very easy to do to get online and like play video game and like keep people entertained and like talk to the chat for like two or three hours, you know, five days a week. And it's harder than it looks, you know, you have to be interesting the entire time. It's essentially a live podcast. You also have to, if you're playing a video game where, you know, you get pissed off, if you lose, you have to sort of like stay in the moment and not let the chat kind of get to you, but The closest equivalent for me is because I'm not really a professional anything uh, is like in like a in like a reality show, like a like a, um, a bar rescue, for example, where John Taffer or whoever will come in and be like, all right, here's what we need to do. This is my expert opinion. And then the owner of like the failing bar or restaurant will just be like, well, that's stupid. We shouldn't do that. And it's it's sort of. I guess it's a little different because, you know, they've like invited them into the restaurant to help. But it's it's the same sort of idea where it's like, which one of you is is the expert and which one of you is running the failing establishment? You know, like who's who's got who's got the upper hand here? It's pretty obvious, but then I guess if people didn't push back against the host, there wouldn't be a TV show. If well, it was yes. just the person agreeing the whole time, you know?
2: Yes. Let's uh, leave it to the pro wrestler to point out that that show is fake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's one, the one thing too, that uh, my wife hates watching television with me um, because as a pro wrestler, you become the, the, the uh, eternal cynic and point out the, the work in everything. And it's like, especially with reality TV, because it's like pro wrestling was the original reality television show. Yeah. It was the one that it was a, you know, concocted drama, if you will, that you tried to make everyone think was real, even though it wasn't. And that's what reality television is now. And if you're someone who enjoys reality television, and it's funny because I'm now on the other side of it and I'm completely that asshole smart fan to reality (laughs) television people where it's like, I'm the equivalent of the smart fan sitting at the wrestling show with the people enjoying it going, well, you realize this is fake, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and, I see what they did there. I know. Okay. So they're doing that. And your wife's like,
0: yeah. okay, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I don't and, care. And
2: a, and a lot of it is it's like I'll point out the there was a show, Man Tracker. I don't know if you ever heard of the oh, show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We That's know Man Tracker quite well. But I don't
0: yeah. is it a Canadian show? We might have to explain it for our American listeners, or was it American as well?
2: I don't know, but it is a a dude who can track down people. And the they, you know, take you out into the wilderness and they give, you know, two people a head start and they've got a destination, they've got to reach. And he gives a head start, you go hide. And then the dude on the horse has to try to track them down and find them. And I was on vacation in Ontario with uh family and they're watching the show, and I'm just sitting there like looking at it. And like they, they'll see the, you know, it'll be show, you'll see the guys that are, oh my god, there's the guy on the horse, and they duck down real low, hoping not to be seen. And I'm like, how's the dude on the horse not spotting the camera crew? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And my wife's like, shut up or he'll see them and he'll turn to run and he'll be running at the camera down this path. I'm like, how did the camera know he was going to be startled and run that way? (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that's where I get annoyed that they don't bother to put enough effort into the show to even make it believable. Right. Like you should shoot it better.
1: Yeah. And Like they can do like hidden cameras or something. They get they can hide cameras, drones, whatever. Drones or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's it's the same, I get the same nitpickiness with pro wrestling. It's like, you know, you'll do something and it's like, yeah, but the way you shot it, you tipped your hand that you know it's fake. And it's like, even though we all know that it's again, I hate using the word, but it gets the point across better. You know, even though we know it's fake, not real, you're not supposed to notice that while watching the show. Yeah. It's like if I watch, you know, pick a show that's big right now, you know, I I don't watch enough television, but if if I'm watching if I'm watching Game of Thrones while I'm watching the show, I'm supposed to think that's real and going on. You know what I mean? I don't want the guy in the Nissan Sentra driving in the background to remind (laughs) me that wait a minute, this is fake. Yeah. And to me, those situations where the guy's ducking down and it's like there's a camera crew behind him how's the guy on the horse not see him it's like those moments ruin my entertainment value and because uh, if you ask my wife perhaps I'm a jerk I point them (laughs) out when she's watching a show or again if my daughter is watching like the bachelorette it's just like oh, you know this is fake right And there's I, I no good no high spots or good matches so it's like what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I the whole show's a promo segment.
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> it's interesting like how the the production sort of determines how fake it feels too. Like if you watch Hell's Kitchen like the American version versus the British version. So the British version has like no music stings whatsoever. Right. And it has none of those dramatic, like zooms or dramatic cuts or like, uh, after the break, like this is what happens. And, and also Gordon Ramsay is like actually very nice and respectful to everyone as well. So it feels like so much more realistic because it's like Gordon Ramsay's coming in and he wants to help them. And they agree that they want to be helped and you have a bit less conflict, but it's, a more pleasant experience overall. And it feels more <laughs> believable. And then you have Hell's Kitchen in the, in, in the US, which is still extremely entertaining, but it's entertaining because it's like total assholes who know they're on TV and are like vamping for TV. And there's all these music stings and, and production things. And it's just, it's a different show, but I, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, I like both, you know, options, the realistic and a bit more low key and then just the freak show.
2: You know, the the thing that really like ruined it, like even more, like I used to be able to tolerate the, you know, the ultimate fighter level of reality television show. Yeah. Yeah. But I did a reality television show. I did World of Hurt, sort of a, you know, Canadian Storm Wrestling Academy version of Tough Enough. Okay. And when you shoot a reality television show, you realize that it's a thousand times faker than you thought it was just because the effort that has to get put in to shooting it so you don't see cameras. Right. Like if they're just going to have this conversation back and forth between me and one of you, well, they've got that camera that's right behind you shooting my face when I say my dialogue. And then they cut to the camera that's obviously off my left shoulder shooting your face during the dialogue. And you realize that this conversation isn't even happening. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because we would see the cameras if you did. Yeah. <laughs> and then you start realizing that it's not even because I was expecting when I did it, Because we're pro wrestlers. We're like, well, we're reality television people. I expected them to do the OK, you're going to be the douche. You're going to be the smart ass. You're going to be the guy that screws everything up. And we would just ad lib and play the obnoxious characters and stuff and they would shoot it and it would be fake structured. But we'd really just do it. And then when you realize that they can't shoot it that way, because they don't want cameras shown that it's like, it's literally like every scene is staged. You're going to say this so that we can have the camera here when you do it. And when we do the, we do some training stuff and sometimes something would really happen. We had one where, you know, the girl's just supposed to flip over and take a bump. You know what I mean? Like you would on a hip toss. And for whatever reason, she just dove straight down headfirst into the floor. And the camera shot it and we all reacted, but they don't have a camera on every single person's face at every moment. So we do the wrestling part in the morning, and the afternoon was all of us reacting to what happened earlier in the day. <laughs> so, like the afternoon shoot, I'm standing in the ring and she'd be standing in the ring, and they'd have everybody else around the ring like we were in training. And since they've got three cameras, they'd be like, all right, the camera's gonna shoot, you know, Dylan, Bob, and Nancy. Remember this morning when she landed on her head? Everybody react like you did then and be shocked. <laughs> and basically, I just I'm not on camera, but I'm in the ring. I would jump up and stomp my feet to make the sound of her landing on her head so that the three people can go, oh, my God. <laughs> and then when we do that, he, OK, camera two, you get on Steve, you get on Jill and you get on Bob and they'd be like, all right, let's roll them. And I jump up and stomp my feet again and they'd react to it. And it's like, that's what reality television is. And then they edit all that crap together. And it's just like, oh, my God, like, I thought we would really shoot us training and we would all just take on a, you know, a entertaining persona so that we had conflict and we're pro wrestlers. It's like, all right, well, no one take offense. You're going to be the obnoxious guy and we're going to get mad and get into verbal and physical fights. Cool. But it was just so structured and fake. I was just like, oh, my God, I can't watch this. And then after that, anytime I see a show, I notice cameras. Um, WWE does a table for three on the network, where it's mm. three legends who sit around and have a dinner and they talk and share stories. And everybody liked it. And it's like, I watched the first one and I realized the where the cameras were. And it's like, this isn't an actual real conversation <laughs> because they have the camera set up in one spot for, let's say, Sting to say his dialogue. But then the next camera angle of the Undertaker responding to him a camera would have been seen if that was actually happening. And you realize that sting and Taker didn't actually have a conversation, having a meal, (laughs) they wrote out a conversation and then shot it and performed it while sitting at a table. And it just ruined a lot of people's
0: week. (laughs) A lot of people are going to be like, Holy shit. Well, Uh, my mind is getting fucked because everything you're saying makes complete sense. Yeah. But that's part of the disbelief, I think, is people are able to just be like, whatever. I know I'm just putting it out of my mind. But when you lay it out so plainly like that, yeah. and this is coming out on Monday, I believe this is the night The Bachelor airs. People are going to be <laughs> like, what the? F-
2: oh, my God. Fuck. <laughs> it was something I realized very early on. I think I was a year in the business. And I joke, but it's true. I said, I realized that becoming a pro wrestler means I will never enjoy anything ever again. i had a girlfriend at the time and she had i don't even remember who was a niece or a nephew but she had a niece or nephew that was young and we took him to the circus and we're at the circus we're watching the show and i'm having a good time and then there's the big finale trapeze artist gimmick right and they perform a few cool stunts and you know got nice high spots, so we pop for them And then there's the big announcement that they're going to try this really rare, difficult, you know, triple (laughs) Lindy for, for a comedic reference there. And it's only been performed, you know, two times live. There's only one person in the world that can perform this, but they're going to try it just for you. I'm like, okay, cool. And they go to do it and they miss and the person falls. And there's that big, Oh, as everybody's, you know, heart jumps into their throat because the person missed and fell into the net. And there's this big hush over the audience and, The guy announces it's like, they're okay, and they're going to try it one more time just for you. And there's a big round of applause and they go up and then they perform it and they hit it. And the place pops like crazy. And I sat there going, this is a work. (laughs) They missed the first one. So it seems difficult. I bet you if I came back tomorrow, they'd miss it. Say they're going to try it one more time just for you. And I realized at that moment every aspect of my life i'm going to see the work in it and i'm never going to enjoy anything <laughs> ever again in my life uh, that's I, I would almost... like
0: reading i guess that's like kind of the one yeah. thing maybe you, you doesn't feel worked in such a way where you know exactly what's about to happen.
2: <laughs> this is just a story and i'd like to read it please yeah. I'll, I'll buy my yeah. novels yes <laughs>
1: I would love to see like now that you've kind of explained it all like a reality show that is just behind the scenes of like another reality show, you know, but like, but just <laughs> right. essentially like how the sausage is made. And I'm, I'm sure there are like videos of, of sort of how it's all made and stuff, but like an entire show dedicated to that, I think would be super interesting because, yeah, now it's, it's the type of thing where you're just going to notice it like all the time. Like I'm, I'm just, whatever I watch, I'm just going to be like, Oh, well, yeah, there should be a camera there. Or, I mean, to go back to bar rescue, the, my favorite part of it is that, uh, they'll have like the hidden cameras around the bar before the host gets there. Uh, and then the host gets there and everyone's all like shocked that he's there. And they're like, well, did you not see someone? First of all, you can see the cameras. They're not hidden. Did you not see like a camera crew come in and install all these cameras like a week ago and like tell you about it? <laughs> it just, Plus, you'd you know. also
0: have to sign release forms, yeah. presumably, and all that stuff. Like, oh, yeah. John Taffer's here. What the <laughs> hell? This is crazy. You know,
2: it's, it's like every, you know, home flipping show, home reno show, like there's always the, oh, we can make enough money off this if the flip goes well. And it's like every time they buy it, there's the, oh shit, bad plumbing. You know what I mean? Or, oh, right. crap, these windows like there's always the because it's the three act play that I mentioned earlier with all storytelling. It's like introduces to the characters and the house. And then there needs to be this. Oh, no, disaster that we really hope they can overcome. And then in the end, they sell it for a bit of a profit. and We're all happy again at the end. And, and that's where, again, f- through wrestling that you realize that if there's money involved, it's worked on some level. Because if you can make it more interesting or more profitable, you will. My daughter loved the storage wars, you know, where they go bid on the storage things. And it's like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> when it started, I'm, maybe they thought, hey, this could be a good show. But at some point, even if they wanted it to be real, you're going to have a string where like five lockers in a row, there's nothing in it of interest. And you just wasted an entire day of shooting and your budget shot. And you realize that, you know what? if we just took $1,000 cash and taped it inside this drawer, it'll be so much bigger payday if, you know, <laughs> yeah. Bill tells them, don't buy that locker. It's a pile of crap. And the guy drops like, you know, 500 bucks on it. Like, oh, you're an idiot. You're going to lose your shirt. And then they open it up and find out it's just a pile of crap. But in the last minute, they pull the drawer open and five, $10,000 cash. The guy's like, ha, I told you I was smart. And it's like, it's just easier and more profitable if you work everything. We I like the idea that
0: they would go through and be like, you know what, though? I bet that dresser has $10,000 in it. Like, like when the other guy gets mad. Well, you remember last week when I found that dresser that had $10,000 in it. I bet there's $10,000 in that box.
2: When, we, uh, when I worked in Europe for CWA Catch, they, had a, they brought a football player over. He had just started wrestling. He wasn't particularly good. And just I don't even know how we started, but we turned into starting to convince him that the NFL was a work, and they just didn't tell him. And he played in the NFL. And by the end of it, he started second guessing it. Because, again, you don't have to smarten up the players. If the coaches are in on it. You can have it. And we started telling things like, you know, have you ever in a practice thought they were running you too hard that you're going to be exhausted in the game and questioned why they were pushing you so hard? It's like they wanted you fatigued because you were supposed to lose that game. (laughs) And it's like, has there ever been a call where, again, you you decide you're going to pass or whatever, and it's like you can't believe that the defense read your play so well that they just blitzed and drove in and sacked you. It's like your coach might have tipped off the other coach because you're not supposed to score right now. And he started realizing that even if just one coach on each team was in on it, you couldn't make it a 100% sure thing who won, but you could certainly change your odds of winning drastically by sending in the wrong play, or again, telling your offense, we're going to blitz you. So you better be ready for it. And it's like, you could do a lot. And again, push your defense a little bit too hard, hoping someone will get injured or exhausted. It's like, you don't have to tell everybody to fake every spot for it to be a work. And he started, I think, second guessing whether the NFL was a work or not. (laughs) (laughs) Now I am too.
0: I'll be me honest too, yeah. with you. I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, sports are fake. Yeah. Oh my God. Although, you know, I, I already was after
1: watching the Super Bowl, in fairness. So. That's
0: true. Yeah, it does explain how Tom Brady wins a bunch of times. Yeah, uh, yeah Patrick Mahomes was hurt, you know. He was hurt yeah. in his last match, and now he's limping <laughs> towards the ring. Oh no. What are they gonna do? You know? Oh, they're gonna blitz him all game because he's hurt. Uh yeah, it's that is funny to me. I mean, I do think the only way, the only thing I think. That sports aren't fake is that the Leafs have never won anything. They're the biggest team <laughs> in the NHL. If sports were fake, the Leafs would win the cup every three years. It would be like a it'd be like a cycle. It would be you got because people always complained when we got Austin Matthews, people were like, the draft lottery is rigged. They rigged it so that Toronto won, you know, blah. It's like if the draft lottery was rigged, Connor McDavid would be in Toronto and the Oilers would not have gotten four first overall picks in six years. Or but
1: whatever. then the theory from that is that they kind of like unrigged it there to make it seem like it's not rigged. They're like, well, oh. we'll let, we'll rig it. So he goes to Edmonton. So people stop thinking it's rigged. Right. So oh my God, you're
0: right. Oh I'm stupid. Everything is a work. It's like <laughs> Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and wrestlers say all
2: the world's a work. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like, you're getting into Truman show category. Uh,
0: yes. You yeah. know,
2: it's just like, at what point do we know, or again, even into the matrix, if you want to, it's like, do you really know that your life is really existing or are you in a virtual reality?
0: Oh, we're in a simulation and it's the, the person who's playing our current simulation is doing really bad. They're doing horrible. <laughs> the game is like, well, how are you going to deal with a pandemic? Let's go. This is just Sim City 2000, but we're the, we're the Sims in this case. Yeah. <laughs> So it's okay, you know. Speaking of living in a simulation, let's move on to our social media updates.
2: What a good segue! Boy, was it smooth. Stefan and John are gonna bring you the news.
0: Prepare for a feast of rarefied takes, terrible tweets from verified greats. They'll bring their personal feed to you
2: with an update on
0: their social, social, social media. Is that a good segue? I feel like that was a that pretty, was pretty good, good. Uh, yeah, that was pretty solid. Uh, yeah. Lance, we always like to start with the guest. What's going on on your
2: social media? Um, well, tying into what we mentioned early on with my my virtual coaching, philanthropy is going on in my on my social media. Oh, actually, nice to see good people speaking up on social media. Usually, it's the trolls just you know being trolls, but over the last week or two, maybe maybe three, I would s- actually. 3 quarters maybe now but overall I'm getting close to halfway of the virtual sessions that I am selling having purchased are by other people for others and oh. most oh, nice. are anonymous uh it started there was two wrestlers one uh, big swole from AEW she purchased three sessions and said she's going to find three you know starving hungry indie workers that could benefit from it I guess she didn't receive a lot of help when she first broke in and she's in a position now where she's making some money and decided she'd give back. And off of that, I've had several other people that just like, I've been a fan for a long time. I want to give back to the business that entertains me. I will pay for a session, pick somebody you think would benefit from it. And I've, you know, I've posted, I've got an anonymous benefactor, if I will, uh, Plead your case on why you deserve a shot. And I always preface it with saying, don't give me a sob story because I assume everyone's working me. So I don't, I don't want to hear <laughs> right. that, you know, so-and-so just passed away. And this person in my family, because it's like, I, I don't know if you're telling the truth. So it's like, just pitch me your wrestling credentials. And it's really steamrolled. And it seems every day or two, I get an email from someone else. How do I do it? And I'm like, well, I, this is how you do it. Would you like credit or would you just like to be anonymous? And most people are like, no, don't tell them who it was. I just like to be anonymous. And it's snowballing. And I I think it's great because, A, it helps me out because I'm earning a living. It helps the talent out because they're getting this free service. And the person donating it, I'd like to think, feels better about themselves and is doing a good deed and making social media a more positive place, which as everyone who's ever been on social media knows, isn't always the case.
0: (laughs) I mean, our podcast is pretty much about those other people. um, So that's uh, completely fair. Uh, Maybe, uh, Stefan, we could do one. That could be like uh, we could pay reparations for our social media. We can give a, a lesson
1: to a wrestler. Yeah, or like to a to a podcaster. Even we could oh. we could kind of do like uh, we could listen to someone's podcast and then do kind of an audio oh, uh, like, lesson, we'll, you know.
0: Oh, I see. I was saying I was saying like we could be are oh, you thinking popular. wrestling? And mm. No, not for us. I'm saying we just give the money to Lance. Oh, to give, I see. Yeah, but I, I, what the only thing is, Lance, we don't want to be anonymous. Absolutely, Sarah. <laughs> uh, on really the credit. Could, Yeah. really could use the credit here. It's kind of, it would be big for us. You know, (laughs) Uh, we're just a couple indie wrestlers in the podcast world. So, uh, but it would, I honestly, man, it would be really funny if people paid us to listen to their podcast and critique it. <laughs> you, you get on Fiverr and try it out, you know, it's oh, worth a try. I mean, we would be so bad at it. What, how what? do you, what do we, what could we even possibly say? Uh, I don't know. Uh, get interesting, try to be interesting, <laughs> learn how to talk uh, for an hour. I, like, how do you even say that's so funny.
2: Although oh, if you if you've listened to some podcasts, I think you could probably spend an entire session just on teaching them better audio quality. The amount of yeah, people that, that is true. you know have background noise and fiddle with their microphone and don't know what a, you know, the pop filter gimmick is or an equalizer heaven forbid that just has this atrocious audio that you just about, you know, throw your headphones into the, you know, into the river because the volume goes up and down trying to listen to them.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, that's when people do ask me for advice about starting a podcast, which does happen sometimes, obviously being in comedy, lots of comedians have or want to start pods. And that's like the first thing I say, I'm like, you just have to have good audio after that, do whatever you want, but just like have good audio. And there's also too like, and this is probably similar to wrestling. um, Like you can just be too early, you know, like sometimes comedians will say, you know, will ask me to watch their set or you know, Hey, can you give me a bit of feedback if, you know, if we're on an open mic together or something like that? And like, if they're not kind of two years in or like a a really solid year in, like there's not really much you can tell them. It's like, you just kind of have to figure stuff out. Like the things I could tell you wouldn't improve what you're doing. Like you still don't really know how to be on stage and you know how to structure a joke. Like it's not a quick conversation and it's not going to help you. You're just not ready yet to hear that kind of advice. And uh, so that's the other thing, too, is I feel like it'd be it'd be kind of similar with podcasting, too, I think. Um, although one of my favorite genres of podcasts is the podcast that has more episodes than they have followers on Twitter. We've talked about that before. There's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, I always feel like if you if you go above the number of followers you have an episode count that's it stop the count it's a find a new
2: idea you know well yeah. I, i've i've got the not of uh, the podcast thing but I, I'm, I'm 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 a little judgmental at times if i see the person on twitter that follows more people than they have followers yeah i i immediately as horrible as may make me be i judge them as like okay you're you're a loser it's like <laughs> you're more interested in others than they are at you you're a follower not a leader Where if you've got, you know, a million followers and, you know, you follow 300 people, it's like, okay, you are say 50 people, then it's like, okay, you have a very, if it's too small, then I'm like, okay, you don't even care about people. You just want to, you know, get your own shit over, but there's, you've got to find that balance. Cause if you have three followers and follow, you know, 2000 people, it's like, okay, you're just following every person you can find praying to God. They have a follow back policy because you just feel inept because you have three people following you.
1: Yeah, yeah, we had a You'll, our you'll, block see, that with, oh, ahead, you'll see that with like uh, a lot of like political accounts where they have, you know, 80,000 followers and they're like, why? I, and they're bragging about it. I have 80,000 followers. I'm super popular. And then you look and yeah, they're following 120,000 people. And so it's really obvious why they have 80,000 followers. It's because, yeah, they're following six figures worth of people. So what did you expect to happen? Shoot, it's, should it's, I do that? I mean, it, I have a pretty low worth follower
0: account compared to you two. Maybe it's time I just start hammering that follow button. Give it a go.
2: Let's just yeah. capitulate my Twitter and, and <laughs> turn it into an absolute mess. I need to trim the fat on my, like I, for a long time, I had a cap. I was at 400 and I'm like, I'm not following anymore. So if I did interact with someone that I wanted to then follow, I'd go back and I'm like, all right, who's getting bumped. <laughs> and, and there's always those people that you, you follow out of um, obligation, right? Like in wrestling, you know, they're a wrestler that I worked with before and he comments on something and follows me. And it's like, okay, if I don't follow this guy, he's going to be, offended but right. it's like I don't really care what he says and it's like you have to make that conscious decision it's like I'll just follow and mute him and you won't know it and it's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just ends up feeling really sad yeah no for sure we that was a uh,
0: we have blocked party newsletters we do five a month and the newsletter ironically enough this week was about follower ratios and um it was by uh this girl Lavelle And uh, yeah, I definitely can remember when my follower counts were pretty close and I had to keep an eye. I had to keep a close eye. It's nice when you get above a certain amount and then you're like, okay, I can sort of just follow willy nilly a little bit here. I don't have to worry so much. You know, back when I was like sub a thousand followers, it was a, (laughs) it was a different time. Yeah. Oh man. Um, Stephen, what's going on in your social media?
1: Well, so my social media update, not as positive as Lance's, but pretty funny. I think, um, there's this, uh, this Newsmax, uh, TV host called Greg Kelly. Newsmax is like the more insane version of, of Fox news. Oh my God. Um, And Greg Kelly, a very strange guy. He's taken to, and you'll notice when we watch the clip here, he's really taken on a lot of uh, Donald Trump's mannerisms in in the way he talks and actually in the way he tweets as well. He'll do the thing where he capitalizes random words. um, He'll do weird quotation marks, that sort of thing. So it's it's really obvious like what he's trying to do, the grift he's trying to pull off. But there was a video going around um, a few days ago Uh, I guess there was a picture of Joe Biden's dog. Uh, it's a big German shepherd, like a 10 year old rescue dog, uh, German shepherd. And it just looks like an older German shepherd would. Right. So, you know, like an older dog, you know how they look. And, uh, he did a whole segment on his show, just like calling out the dog for being unpresidential. And (laughs) it is completely unhinged. And like, I think to some extent he, he was trying to do maybe a bit of a joke, but he's not capable of of like being ironic or 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 approaching it from like a, a funny point of view so it just seems like this insane person doing a trump impression on live tv like going in on this poor german shepherd uh, i believe dan has the video here
2: did you see the dog let's get i want to show you something i noticed
0: doesn't he look a little uh a little rough <laughs> i love dogs but
1: he's talking talking like Trump. ...bath
0: and a comb and uh, all kinds of love and care. I've never seen a dog in the White House uh, like this. I remember Buddy. I remember Millie. I
2: remember lots of dogs, but not a dog who seems... I don't know. I don't know how much love and care he is getting. Let's bring in the historians. I, I, I'm having fun with this, obviously, but I, I,
0: I do want to talk about some stuff. Craig, Look Shirley, at me, Drake, ghouls. Presidential historian, Craig. welcome back. And Doug Weed, presidential historian. <laughs> Doug Weed. Doug Weed. W. Bush. That's the White
2: House where I remember Millie. Millie had, like, a staff, and they really took care of her. Very beautiful dog. This dog looks like from, I'm sorry, from the junkyard. And I love that dog. <laughs> Not hey, we love the, the junkyard dog on this podcast. Throw a shade at the dog. Uh, no, it looks very <laughs> dirty and disheveled, and uh, very unlike a presidential dog like uh, Millie or Victory or something else in the past in the uh, in the White House. Wow, this is news. Uh, it's presidential historian. <laughs> oh, Biden's dogs God. too shaggy. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, they're, they're the, really the part where he was road.
0: like listing the dogs and then and then said, like, we love like it was that was very Trumpian the whole like, oh, I no remember one. Millie and Buddy and. Victory and listen, we love dogs, we love all dogs, but yeah. this dog, we hate this dog. It looks like shit. no one loves
2: dogs more than I do. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I, although I want the lineup now, I want Millie and the other dogs in a lineup to see if this dude can actually pick them out because I remember <laughs> Millie and I remember it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> what Millie a lineup of most dogs. presidential dog I've ever
0: seen. <laughs> I mean, just carried herself unbelievably well, had a staff.
1: I'm like, it's not a good thing that there's a staff for the dog. Yeah. I think what's really funny too is that like Trump famously hates animals and did not have a dog in in the past four years, didn't have a pet at all. Like one of I think one of the first presidents in like a hundred years to not have a pet uh in in the Oval Office. Because can you imagine him just like petting a dog? Like it's just it's just never gonna happen. Um and yeah if, if if you haven't seen the picture uh if you're listening and haven't seen the picture of the German shepherd like I I can't emphasize enough how much it just looks like a regular German shepherd, like a long haired German shepherd. It's a nice looking dog. It's, it's, Uh, it's unhinged.
0: I I just looked it up and there were only three presidents in history to not have a pet while in office. (sighs) James K Polk, Andrew Johnson, and Trump. My God. And he said (laughs) that uh, he, so yeah, this is from the Washington post. Trump, the first president in a century with no dog, explains why. Quote, I don't have any time.
2: (laughs) Although as a dog person, I'm extremely content and happy knowing he doesn't have a dog. That's true. Yeah, because I, I, you know, it would get less attention than than Eric does.
0: (laughs) He said, he said, uh. So it said the, the explanation came amid an extended riff about the superior abilities of German shepherds to sniff out drugs being smuggled across the border. You do love your dogs, don't you? Trump said as the crowd whistled and cheered. I wouldn't mind having one, honestly, but I don't have any time. How would I look walking a dog on the White House lawn? <laughs> uh, the supporters seated behind the riser Human. apparently thought that he would look great with a hound or two because they stood up and clapped, but Trump wasn't having it. I don't know. I don't feel good, he said. Feels a little phony to me. A lot of people had told him to get a dog because it would look good politically, he added, but he hadn't felt the need because that's not the relationship I have with my people.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> <You> <sighs> know like I got be, dumber he, reading that just then. So <laughs> You know, you he'd be the stuff. guy that had a dog. He'd have to get the most manly dog. Like He, he wouldn't yes. be caught dead walking a small dog.
0: Yeah. You're so right. Oh, yeah. He'd have like a Great Dane, but like... Uh, he was—he's the biggest Great Dane ever made. He's, there's, he's great. Uh, he's huge. He's the best.
1: He'd have one of the uh, the Italian mastiffs that are all just like those, pure muscle, you know. Those King, King Corso, Corso gimmick, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or one of the dogs that keeps getting uh, mistaken for lions in a Chinese zoo, the Tibetan Mastiff, if you've seen that one. I mean, it it looks it looks like a lion or a bear. But now I'm picturing Trump just getting like pulled across the White House lawn by just this (laughs) massive dog. Um, I'll just say one more thing, which is um, obviously you could tell he was doing. A, a, a Trump impression, whether he's doing it on purpose or not. He's he's absorbed enough of, yes, of totally Trump to, to start talking like him. But yeah, like I said, he posts exactly like him as well. Uh, his most recent post today, fake news pushing pro-Biden false narrative, again, and that's in all caps, that Joe in quotes saved Champ and Majors' lives because they were rescue dogs. Wrong. Joe bought Champ dog from a breeder. Major came from the Delaware Humane Association, a no-kill facility. Neither dog was on, and then in quotation marks, death row. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. just totally nuts. It, it, it's, you know, he, he knows what his grift is, and he's on TV. I guess it's working, but this is another instance of everything being fake because he's he, know, he has to know, like, this is a bit he's doing, right? It's, uh, it's so insane. If you get the chance, go look at his Twitter because it's just, completely nuts. And also if you look at his earlier posts from like a year ago, he was tweeting, I don't want to say normally because it's not normal at all. The (laughs) stuff he's posting about, but it's, you know, uh, normal syntax, I'll say. Um, so at some point he made the conscious decision to start posting like Trump, uh, and it's really weird. And that's my social media update. John, what do you have? Well, uh, I got a few things. First of all, Uh,
0: You know, we're deep in the podcast now, but Lance, I do have to, before I get to my social media update, mark out slightly, because uh, when I was 12, I was a huge wrestling fan and uh, a huge fan of yours. And I emailed a lot of wrestlers when I was a kid. That was like a big thing that I did. I was a big like, oh, Chris Jericho has his email address on his website. Oh, I'll send him a note. Say how much I like him, whatever. And I, I must have emailed, I mean, I don't know, 30 wrestlers at least. And uh, you were the only wrestler who ever responded to one of my emails. And it was really cool. And it meant a lot to me when I was 12. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank uh, you for making
2: me feel old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, I feel it too. I'm 35. And uh, I've got like a lot of teachers coming. I'm I'm at that age now. I mean, I started teaching pretty young when I was 23 but I'm really at the age now where like my former students are starting to come in as teachers and -hmm. you're just like, Oh my God, this is all over. Um, It's also tough being a teacher because when you turn 30, then you're dead. You might as well just be a dead person to them. So, um, so that's a tough one too. But, uh, but yes, anyway, it was very nice of you to respond. And and I appreciated it when I was a a child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But my social media update today is, is from today. Um, and we're recording this on Saturday. And the NHL is currently undergoing a, a real debacle at Lake Tahoe. They uh, They're trying to do an outdoor game because they normally have the Winter classic every year, which is where they put the ice rink in a football stadium. It's outdoors. It's this whole spectacle. Obviously, with fans not being allowed in stadiums this year, they didn't do it. So their solution was to build an ice rink on Lake Tahoe. So they went to the golf course that's on Lake Tahoe, built a rink overlooking the lake itself beautiful idyllic setting um but the game got postponed uh they finished the first period and then the ice was in such bad shape because it was much hotter out than they anticipated that they canceled the game uh but mine is not about that specifically but it is about one moment where they said that they wanted to pay tribute uh to lake tahoe's finest uh finest men and women uh you know in in uniform and they cut to a lake tahoe firefighter Who was like saluting the camera, and then the name bar came on, and his name was Dusty R Gooch, (laughs) (laughs) the Gooch, (laughs) the Gooch. Uh, And so that I just thought was tremendous. That's really all there is to say about it. Uh, It was just you. There, it just just the image of him too. He's all dressed to the nines in his like formal uniform, waving to the camera, and uh, everyone on Twitter is just dunking on (laughs) Dusty or Gooch. Uh, tough times out there so neither yeah. of you have I a mean, comment you're like well, okay. there's
1: not much more i mean that's that's a hell of a name you know
0: <laughs> what hell can of i a say I respect it yeah hell of a place uh and let's move on to our hell of a block tail.
1: what did you tweet
0: you brought receipts block no longer can see that post it's a block tail. Woo.
1: You probably deserved it. It's a block tale.
0: <laughs> that was very good. Was it? I feel like that was clunky. That no, felt no. like a clunky no. transition to y- me. You nailed it. Okay, sweet. Lance, this is the, the part of the show where you tell us about a, a block situation. You, you already have shown that you're very adept at social media by knowing how to use the mute function. Uh, but uh, what, uh, what do you have for us in the, in the way of a block tale?
2: I didn't think I was going to have one at first because I am a chronic muter. I, as a verified person, that's a tremendous feature. So I I don't block people, but I was reminded just recently from a friend of mine that when I was doing the killing the town podcast with Don Callis, we were reviewing old ECW shows and we used to, you know, bury each other, bury everything It was kind of, you know, he'd just constantly get on me. If the jeans I was wearing on the show were wrong, he'd bury me for it. And there was a Taz promo that my, my partner, Don, criticized pretty harshly. And I guess someone took the clip, stooged it off and sent it to Taz. And I get a DM from Taz just really upset. Just this, you know, <laughs> longer than some of the novels I've read. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's like, I had nothing to do with this. I was like, what do you, and it was like, all right, fine. And, and then. A few weeks later, another buddy of mine's on, and it was when Taz on his radio show had mentioned that he thought the, the Ronda Rousey loss to Holly Holm was a work. And oh. the guy on the show was a good friend of mine, Paul Lazenby, who is a former MMA fighter, yeah. Muay Thai fighter. The my buddy yeah mauler he took a strip off taz like all about challenging him to show up and i'll kick the hell out of you type just burying him and i'm just as we're doing the show i'm like thinking of the dm i'm about to get from taz i'm like oh man i don't (laughs) want this heat and on the show i joked that I need to block Taz. I don't. Want, I don't want to have to deal with this. And I think during the show I blocked him on Twitter because I'm like I just don't, I don't want to hear the response. I'm just putting my head in the sand, right? I'm the ostrich. I'm. Getting... And then never thought about it again. And Don now works in AEW with Taz, and I guess they had a conversation about the the slight heat between them over it. And Taz mentioned it, and the guy blocked me. I couldn't believe it. I'm just like that was like four years ago. And I still have heat for the inadvertent blocking of Taz because I I didn't want Mahler's heat. So it was like neither of these situations had anything to do with me. And it was like the block was just like, leave me out of it. But it was a uh, taken as a sign of disrespect. So uh, did you
0: unblock him like shortly after or you just kept him blocked and you kind of forgot? And then that's what allowed Taz to sort
2: of stew over it. I, I did forget for a while. Now I do know, like when when uh, Don mentioned that it came up, I went and checked, and it's like he's no longer blocked, and I have actually responded to things he has said on Twitter. So I did unblock him at some point. I don't recall right. when, but you know, it was probably six months later when I realized, okay, he's probably over the you know the Mahler burial, because I know him and Mahler actually had an exchange, and I think worked it out. So I'm like, okay, I'm safe now. I'll unblock, but <laughs> it was too late. I got caught blocking him. And he was not particularly happy.
0: I like that. I know, like, you definitely hear reports that, like, Taz is a pretty intense dude. So I do like the idea that, uh, you know, he lives up to that reputation uh, in in certain cases. Uh, Sorry about that, guys.
1: Uh, What happened? Well, no, it's legitimately the stupidest reason of all time. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, I I ordered. Oh, this is so dumb. I ordered a matching hoodie set for my cat and my girlfriend, and it it shipped from China. And uh, it took like a month to get here, and uh, it just got here. And they've been trying to get it to us for like two weeks, and just they keep missing us. And so they finally, and I had to pay some cash for the delivery being rescheduled. And so I apologize, but it was for a good reason. So I was just honestly assumed
0: you would come back. For those of you who don't know, Stefan left for about one minute while Lance (laughs) was going through his block tail. I just assumed you'd pop back on the podcast and no one would know that you were gone. So I like that you did come in and feel the need to explain it to everyone. Now, we do
2: need at some point very, very soon the photograph of your girlfriend and your cat in their matching hoodies
1: oh it's 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 coming it's it's uh what's the what is the what's the hoodie look like what's the let me let me grab it and open it up and and i'll show you guys okay yeah
0: let's we got to see this now because i don't even know i mean the funny part for me about this lance we can talk shit while stefan's gone is like he's dressed his cat up in a few different things and the cat clearly really hates it everything like (laughs) clearly like you can even see in the photos like the cat is like get this fucking santa hat off my head or i'm gonna lose my mind
2: i hope his his girlfriend has the same expression with i can't believe he's dressing me like his cat (laughs) dude that is incredible i know he's gonna
0: hate it Oh, she's not going to like it at all. Well, you could hear you you kept your headphones on. I didn't even know that you kept them off. (laughs) Oh, no, I I could hear you. Yeah. I was talking shit about you. I was like, shit. (laughs) Oh, man, that's so funny. Uh, that's good. I mean, Irene will like it. So that's really all that matters. I mean, it was,
1: it was her idea, obviously, you know, but I went along with it very quickly.
0: I didn't oh, really I got you. I thought this was like so. a present type situation where you had to like,
1: no, she knows all about it. She's, oh, okay. she's thrilled. She's very excited.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. As long as she's happy, I'm happy as well. Uh, we have a great listener block this week too. Uh, this one comes in from Blair and this is a, this is a fun one. Uh, so my friends and I have a running joke about how it's dumb that there are so many college football games and how they always have corporate tie-ins. We followed a bunch of the ones with weird names like the Poolin Weed Eater Independence Bowl and the Bad Boy Motors Gasparilla Bowl. But the one that was the biggest joke to us was the San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. We noticed that no one ever commented in any way on any of their updates and we decided they needed to be shown some love. So we would pepper each post with questions about our favorite San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl traditions and would share recipes for traditional San Diego style County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl bean soups. They quickly went from getting zero comments to me and my buddy discussing our favorite San Diego County county union poinsettia bowl games uh which was the 2007 game where utah beat naval academy 35 32 to our favorite mvp of the game sky dawson of tcu the 2011 mvp whoever was running the page eventually blocked us all because i guess they were afraid to feel valued but i don't think it's a coincidence that this bowl game ended its glorious run shortly thereafter in 2016 uh, so, That's a very good bit. Very good bit. We love that. Blair, thank you for sending that in. If you want to send in a listener block to Blocked Party, you can do so at that exact email address, blocked at
2: blockedparty.com. It does take or- a lot of guts to have five followers and block them all. <laughs> <laughs> I, we can only agree with that. Exactly.
0: Uh, you can also fill out the form on our website if you have a block. You can also head on over to patreon.com slash blocked party where $5 a month gets you access to three bonus episodes every month plus a live show. And uh, we've got a big week coming up. As we said, it's BP Sweeps month. We've got Trivia Party 4 with the Doughboys uh Mike Mitchell and Nick Weiger coming out this week. We just recorded that today, and it was a lot of fun and then, coming up on sunday february twenty eighth we've got our b p live show uh Stefan and i are are bringing on the other two uh cameo disruptors this we're i think you know us and them kind of were the around the first people to really use cameo for nefarious purposes uh bradford evans and nick sorelli are going to join us on sunday and that's because it's a sunday uh the show's going to be starting a little early 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific so hopefully uh, we'll see you all there for that one. We've got lots of great stuff over on our Patreon. You can check that out. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blocked Pod. Rate, review, subscribe to the show. That's all good stuff. Lance, we always like to finish off the show with a top three suggested by our guest. What do you have for us,
2: please? Took me a while to come up with this. I'm coming up with three strange, bizarre, strangest, bizarre places you've been that you never thought you would have. Oh. Oh. Man. Okay. And my. I my goodness. Like and again, okay, we'll start
0: with your number three, Lance.
2: My, my number three is India. Okay. I, I okay. went there with WWE, and it was so strange for me in just the dichotomy of the place because we're staying in probably the nicest hotels I've ever been in in my life, that just everything is marble, and it's just this incredible place with pools and fountains, and then you look out your hotel room, and you literally see people walking through the dirt stopping dropping trow and like taking a dump just on this side of the path that they're walking on i actually have a photo of like a baby sitting on the just in the dirt on the side of a like it's not even a river it's like a creek or just a you know yeah, a creek would be at best you know it's three feet across with some brown water running through it and you know their you know, mom or dad is trying to wash out some clothes or something while the baby's sitting there and there's a dog digging in a dumpster and it's just like it's 20 feet away from my marble pool and my incredible, you know, 10-star hotel. And it was just such a bizarre, weird place that it's just, you're either super rich or super poor. And even the one wrestling show was outdoors. And the ringside area had like really comfortable, nice padded stacking chairs set up. You know, there was like, they put like a red carpet area down and we're outside. And then there's this big empty dirt section and then like almost a runner's track around. And like the standing room over only was the track area. And then there's this just this big void to keep, I guess, the poor people away from the people with money. And then there's the people in the nice ringside area. And it's just like, this is so strange. And and I was just, it was dumbfounding that I've, I I didn't expect it to be like that. And I've never been anywhere where it was so clear that you were Either a have or a have not, and yeah. uh, nothing in between. Right. Wow. Yeah, that would be very, uh, mine are not going to be anything
0: like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Winnipeg. That's kind of shit. Great. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Stefan, what's your number three?
1: Um, I, uh, I went to Osaka, Japan, and they have, uh, a very, very cool, uh, aquarium with a lot of creatures that I wouldn't have expected to see in an aquarium. And the two that I remember seeing and being like, this is insane that I'm standing here and looking at these, they have a whale shark. Uh, I don't think it's fully grown, but I mean, that's, you know, the, the biggest fish in the world. And then they have those, um, those giant crabs. Uh, that are in like the bottom of like the Arctic Ocean or whatever that are you know twenty feet wide and just terrifying. And seeing those up close was, uh, yeah, I mean, if we're talking bizarre, that was um, that stuck with me for a few days because seeing them up close is uh, actually pretty terrifying. If I'm being honest, so yeah, the Osaka Aquarium number three for me.
0: Um, my number three, Estevan, Saskatchewan. Uh, <laughs> When you're a curler and a comedian in Canada, you find yourself in a lot of very small towns. Uh, Estevan was no exception. Uh, You know, we have a lot of American listeners, Saskatchewan, very rural province, prairie province. Uh, It's as flat as you think it is. Estevan, not a good place uh, to be. And there's a lot of very many towns like that in Saskatchewan, just small you you can see them two hours before you get to them. Uh, just a wild... I will say one crazy thing. And Lance, I mean, I know I'm sure you've driven across Canada lots before with wrestling. One thing that is weird is, like, I'm not even joking about how flat Saskatchewan is. And you drive straight in a line for so long that when the road curves, it does actually, like, fuck you up. Like, you're like, I don't even know. Like, I remember we are going to estevan cuz it's about 2 hours away from regina so we flew to regina and then drove and i was just driving for an hour without moving the car just str- just straight didn't move the steering wheel at all and then there was like an s curve in the road and it like <laughs> disorients you you're like oh, oh my it it's it felt like i was driving again for the first time it really blew me away so estevan my number that's my number 3
2: <laughs> All right. That's your number two. I'm going to have more exotic location. You, Uh, Lebanon. (laughs) I did a tour of Lebanon in 1992. And the thing that there's the story about getting there, because there was a ban where Americans couldn't go into Lebanon at the time. And they flew us all from Calgary to Dallas because we all met in Dallas. And then we flew from Dallas to London because you couldn't fly directly in there. But we had to have separate tickets because even your ticket couldn't have gone through the U.S., So we had to claim our bags, go to a new ticket counter at Middle East Airlines and pick up a brand new ticket. And I kid you not, I have no idea how this shit worked. I was given a boarding pass that said Cairo, Egypt on it. And I asked the person there, it's like, but we're going to Beirut. And it's like, yeah, we know. I'm like, but my boarding pass says Cairo, Egypt. I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're going to go to Beirut. And I'm like, "Okay." you know, there's the whole crew of us. And. When they called the flight, I'm like, this isn't, and it's like, just get on the plane. I'm like, okay. And we got on the plane and we landed in Beirut. I have no idea how or why. And again, it was so bizarre because this was, you know, it's a war-torn country. The, the five-star, I'm finger quoting for those who, who can't see me, five-star hotel that literally across the street was like a cement bombed out building that had a tank parked in the bottom area of it. And it's like, I've got photos of it. I'm just looking out my window and it's like this dilapidated cement structure that just has a tank right there. And it was so bizarre that this was normal living conditions for people. Like I had never been to the Middle East before and it was crazy. And war started breaking out. We were in Tair. And the last show in Tair, there was a guy, he was maybe 20 yards away from me. I heard a gunshot go off. I saw him fall down. I proceeded to look for a rock to crawl under and the security guys rushed us out and they threw us on the bus and they got, you know, people hanging out the windows with guns and shit as they haul us away to our hotel. And it was a very scary, bizarre time in Tair and Beirut, Lebanon. Wow. And that was your number two. <laughs> <That's> number
0: two. <laughs> okay. Okay uh yeah but i'm like holy i haven't been outside of north america so <laughs> i'm just like the word i'm the worst person to do this game that was unreal i was on the edge of my seat wow Ooh, okay uh, your just, just a
2: teaser my number just one is teaser. in canada oh my
0: god i know i my, can't my win. number oh, okay.
2: one is in canada okay. okay
1: all right all right i like that um my top two are both kind of the same area uh and Uh, number two was, uh, I went, uh, skiing at this mountain just outside Quebec city. And I say mountain, it was like, you know, one ski hill, very small, but the thing I remember keep in mind, I'm
2: from Calgary. That's just a hill.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, it was, uh, I I guess this is, this is bizarre for me because I've, I've lived in Vancouver my whole life. It doesn't get that cold out here. I think with wind chill, it was below 50 or close to it. Um, to the point, and, and we had uh, like I, I was staying with like a, a billet family at the time, and they they were like, oh, we you know we love going skiing. We're gonna make a whole day of it. We get there, we go for one run, and you know the family that is from Quebec City is like, no, we're we're completely done. I think yeah, with wind chill, it was close to like minus fifty two. It was unbelievable uh, how cold it was. Uh, I've I've never experienced anything like that. Um, I mean, you guys are from. Cold parts of Canada. So that's really, you know, probably nothing. But for me, well, it's not Vancouver nothing. boy, it's minus a minus not. Minus 50 nothing. is
2: always something. I don't yeah. care where <laughs> you're from. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it may have been, it may have been felt like minus 50 on the weather thing. I don't know the exact number, but it was unbelievably cold to the point where I, I felt like I was going to die just being outside. Uh, so that's my number two. John. Okay. My number two,
0: uh, you know, Lance, you said a place you never thought you would be. So this is kind of just like a specific place that I stood. That was very confusing. Uh, I got offered a comedy show about probably six years ago. Now this, this, uh, woman had seen me at a different comedy show, um, and, and said, Oh, you know, my, I work for this company and we have a, our annual like meeting of sales reps. And it'd be awesome if you would uh, come in and, and do some comedy. So I said, sure. So we sort of agreed to the terms and she's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be at this hotel in Vancouver. And I'm picturing like, oh, there's all these sales reps. It's going to be in like a conference room or something. And then like about a month out, she's like, yeah, so we kind of changed our mind. We sort of think we want you to like roast everybody uh, here, like everyone that works for the company, and which is fine. I don't mind doing that. So I was like, yeah, OK, I can probably do that. So she sends me a word doc, uh, with pictures of everybody that works at this office and just like telling me the like shitty things that these people have done that I could pick <laughs> on them for, or like how bad they look or whatever. And be like, Oh, this guy's, Oh, this guy's really tall. Make fun of him for being tall, you know, or whatever. And then, uh, she was like, yeah, so it's at the river rock, uh, hotel and casino. And it ended up being in the presidential suite. They had just rented out the presidential <laughs> suite. So I am just which like sounds nice, but the presidential suite is meant for like two people, not for 30. So I had to just mingle at the party for like an hour. And then it was just like, okay, everyone gather around. John's going to just roast you now. And so that's how I found myself standing on top of the hotel room steps while 40 people all sat in a living room type area. And I had an iPad in front of me with all their pictures and personal info on it. I'm just like, hey, Jeff
2: fuck you uh,
0: <laughs> wow it's like not too
2: thin-skinned
0: yeah i was too young like i think i was just too young to like it or too new in comedy to understand that like that's not a gig you should take i just was like oh whatever sure this sounds like it would be fun and like it's not i didn't even do poorly like i got laughs and stuff it was just such a weird experience because also too there's like there's no lighting there's no microphone so it's just Literally, it's like if if the three of us were sitting in a room, like it was that type of intimacy. Um, yeah, it was not enjoyable. Uh, Lance, <laughs> your number
2: one. <laughs> my my number one, it callow it in none of it. Oh, I really want to go to none of it. I I wrestled two matches up there, I, and then I was I don't know. I say it ten years ago now, post WWE retirement, and I wasn't taking bookings at the time, but I had mentioned to a friend of mine, Arda Ocal, that I would. Field bookings, if I thought they were interesting and somewhere I've never been that I might want to. And he was part of this trip. And it's like, what do you think about going to a Iqaluit? And I'm like, when am I ever going to get a chance to go to a Iqaluit? Yeah. It's like, this is on Baffin Island. It's like, you know, if you have a good pair of binoculars, you can see Santa's house from there. Like, it's way up there. So I, I took the trip and we flew from Ottawa up to Iqaluit. And it's it was so bizarre because you're above the tree line. So there's no trees. Like, it's literally like rocks, snow. And then, you know, water, that's it. You're just on a rock Island with, you know, snow. And the architecture is different. Like the airport and the schools look like they were built out of like giant Duplo because they don't have a lot of windows because it's not insulated enough for the temperatures that they get when it's awful. And it was so strange and so bizarre because you're up there. And the one thing that really struck me, There was a guy that would drive us around and show us different places. And there's the road to nowhere that just goes off to nowhere. But the satellite dishes on the side of the houses pointed down. And I'm looking going like, what the hell? And he explained that the majority of satellites tend to orbit around the equator. And when you're that far north, your satellite dish has to point at the horizon, not up (laughs) into the sky wow like it's you're still technically pointing at the sky but you're pointing down at the horizon because that's where all the stuff is you just point it straight up it's like there's no satellites pointing straight up and it was just like my mind just exploded it was (laughs) like we're so far north that if you look up into the sky they're looking in a completely different direction than i ever looked anywhere else on the planet when i looked up
0: yeah and it was so bizarre that's crazy did you like was
2: it cool like did you like it there well, it was a neat experience, but like there's yeah. nothing there. Yeah, right. Desolate, there's the yeah. school and there's the one hotel that we stayed at, but like there's not anything there. Like it's just right. incredibly isolated, you know, small. They did have a Tim Hortons, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I, 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 <laughs> I frequented the the Tim Hortons. I was so happy when I found out there was one. But it was it was really strange. It was a once in a lifetime thing to go up there. I'm so glad I did, but it was bizarre.
0: And I've heard it's like crazy expensive up there too, right? Because they got to ship everything up there. So just like eating basic meals and stuff like that is, is really costly. Is that the case? Yeah.
2: Cause everything would have to be flown in. And I also too, I thought it was so bizarre for the people there because you can't get out and experience anything else. Like if you live in a small town in Saskatchewan, it's like at some point in time, you can borrow your dad's car or your buddy's car. And it's like, you could drive to Regina. Yeah. But it's like you're on Baffin Island. It's like other than being able to afford to buy an airline ticket and fly to Ottawa, it's like there's nothing in between. You can't go to another community that's a little bit bigger. You have that little community on a rock, and that's your entire world until you're able to fly and go somewhere. It was just it was mind boggling and it was really, really educational. I'd love to go. That's really cool sometime the mixed curling
0: championships were there like eight years ago or so. And I really wanted to win that year. Cause I thought that would be like you said, kind of just the one excuse I could have to get up there, but I didn't win. So, <laughs> so, well, so I, so I remained eventually none of it. Uh, <laughs> Stefan, what's your number one?
1: Well, mine also involves ice and snow to some extent. And it was uh, during uh, the the carnival in Quebec city in, I guess every February, and they have the ice hotel, uh, which is an entire hotel made out of ice. I didn't stay there, but we went there for like, uh, you know, an hour or so just to kind of visit. And it's very surreal. uh, Walking through like a huge building made of ice, going to the bar, having a drink. Um, And I mean, I, I, I sort of wish we had made Lance go last, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but a hotel made out of ice. I think, you know, all things considered fairly, fairly neat, fairly interesting. Um, and probably something I'll never do again, uh, or have the opportunity to. So, uh,
2: yeah, that was, that was very cool. Well, you had an ice hotel and giant crabs. It sounds like a fun life. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. bad.
0: Yeah, John? My life isn't nearly as good or cool, you know? I'm just like, oh, where, where are these like horrible small towns I went to? Uh, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, Lance, you have that experience as well, being a wrestler, but geez, you know, I'm really struggling to even think of like a number one because I feel like all of my stories are exactly the same. It's like, oh, I did this curling bonspiel in this bad town or I did this comedy show in this bad town and I never thought I would be in either of these places. Um geez this is tough okay i will say um i'll just should i just say the worst town i've ever been in (laughs) that's the only thing that like keeps coming to my mind i'm like like stefan's was cool he's like oh i never thought i'd be in this ice hotel lance you went to these exotic locations had these like cultural life were you in jail
2: anywhere that would be oh
0: man wouldn't it be so cool if i was in jail uh i mean no i've never been to jail thank you for thinking i could be in jail though that's actually very nice of you i feel like most people see me and they're like this guy's never been to
1: jail for like tax fraud or something
0: (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah.
1: um but
0: uh okay brooks alberta uh is the worst place i've ever been in my life um it is uh not a good spot i there's a big curling tournament there um so the the brooks for if you're unfamiliar which probably most of you are it's the meat processing capital of canada so you can smell brooks uh far before you actually arrive there um and to to the point like we were there in the winter and so it's about two hours outside of calgary so you drive for two hours um and then you uh you drive for two hours and then it's like you get about half an hour outside of it. You can start to smell it. And this is winter. So this is like minus 15 and we can smell it 30 minutes outside of the town. I'm like, in the summertime, what is this life experience? And then we were two. So we lost out of the curling tournament on the second day. It was a triple knockout tournament. We went one and three. So we were done by the second day and we were all young. We didn't have the money to fly home. So I just had to spend two more days in Brooks uh, mm. waiting for the flight that would have taken me home had we made it to the final, which we didn't pardon me. Uh, so yeah, we'll just say that I just, it's not even that crazy, but just a place I never thought I would be for any reason. And then I went back there three more times uh, because it was one of the biggest curling tournaments in the world at the time. So
2: the top three Lance, uh, the aroma of death and slaughtered animals.
0: Yes, exactly. Have you been to Brooks?
2: I've driven through it.
0: Yeah. 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 Of course. Nightmare. Um, Lance, uh, I mean, this was a, this was a blast. What a treat to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug?
2: Um, follow me on Twitter at Lance Storm. And there's information on my SWA virtual coaching. If anyone's interested, pinned, pinned at the top of my profile on my Twitter account. And that's all I need to plug.
0: Fantastic.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Lance. Thanks everybody
0: for listening. We appreciate it. Again, you can head on over to patreon.com slash party and donate to the show. If you like it, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at blocked party And we'll see you back here next week with a huge announcement on March 1st. So strap in for that one. Should be good. Uh, We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.